Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. You ready to get into the Word? Okay, let's get in there. Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there or use your electronic devices. You can also, um, if, if you are on the Uversion Bible app, uh, there's an event created every week for our services. So you can go in and you can get the sermon notes and you can get all the scriptures and you can go back in your own private time and, uh, and look at these scriptures more in depth and for yourself. Uh, I'm reading this morning from the NIV, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, your word will accomplish what it was intended to accomplish, no matter what hell throws at us. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak into our hearts today, that your word would penetrate uh, our hearts and our souls and separate between soul and spirit, separate our, our intentions from our actions. Lord, that you would reveal our hearts and your truth to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in, uh, in his famous tragedy, Shakespeare wandered through the voice of the character Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. What's in a name? What's in a name? Well, depending on the situation, I'm, I'm answering Juliet today, depending on the situation, there's a whole lot in a name sometimes, right? Every year at Christmas, as, as we approach the Christmas season, I try to uh, take some time to look back at the Christmas account in the, in the Word and read the scriptures that are associated with the Christmas account just to see it with fresh eyes and see what it is the Lord sort of draws to my attention each year. And what has struck me this year is all of the names that Jesus was to be called. We've already sung about it today. We sang Emmanuel. We, we sang Messiah. We sang about all these, all these different names, including the name of Jesus. Some of them were specified and commanded by angels who visited Zechariah for, for John the Baptist and for Joseph who was to name him Jesus. Some of these names were, uh, were prophesied hundreds of years ago, before his, uh, hundreds of years before his birth. Uh, so there seems to be a lot of importance placed on the names and the titles of Jesus. So today we're going to look at uh, the four names that we just read from the prophet Isaiah who prophesied 700 years before the birth of Christ. We're going to read those names. We're going to look into those names 
and see what it is that God's trying to speak to us about the names of Jesus today. So the, t- the message title is, What's in a Name? What's in a name? So here's the first name. We're just diving right in today. The the first name that Jesus was to be called, according to the prophet Isaiah, is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Now, some translations will divide that up and list them uh, separately. So in some translations, you may see five names. Wonderful listed separately from Counselor. But most of the more modern translations, based on, based on a lot more uh, research, is they list them together. Wonderful counselor. Um, wonderful being the adjective to describe the kind of counselor that Jesus was going to be. Now, if you look at the definitions of the two words, it literally means miraculous advisor. Miraculous advisor. So when you take these together, it means that the counsel that Jesus is going to give is not just good advice. It's not just wise. It's not just well thought out. It's miraculous advice because it's not sourced just in earthly experience, it's sourced in eternity. Right? And there's a difference. Now, when the Jewish people spoke of the Messiah, again, that we sang about today, they were speaking of one who would come and establish what's known as a theocracy, a government that's ruled by God, a government of righteous rule that would drive out uh, the enemies and establish the throne of King David and, and the worship of God around the whole world. And the, voice, the, the verses that we just read refer to the government being upon his shoulders. Messiah was going to bring the kingdom of God to this earth and subdue all of the oppressors and the enemies of the Lord. So the person uh, that Isaiah described was royalty. He was going to be a king. But not just any kind of royalty. This person was going to be special. He was going to be different. His first description of this person was wonderful counselor. Now, every king, if you study, uh, if you study monarchies, every king has advisors, and, and for good reason, because it's difficult to rule and to reign over a nation. The Messiah would not need counselors. He will be his own counselor. He didn't need advice from any earthly source because his wisdom was divine. His wisdom is eternal. His wisdom is always right. We can't even wrap our minds around what it would be like to always be right. Not always think you're right. That is a whole different thing and a whole different message. But to always be right is an amazing thing. It's an amazing gift and it can only be a divine gift because no human could be that. Jesus was the fulfillment of of these prophecies. And even though he didn't come to earth uh, to establish his earthly kingdom 2,000 years ago, as a lot of people thought he would, he still embodied all these characteristics of, of, of this divine monarch, including wonderful counselor. Even while he was here on earth, he was the wonderful counselor. Let me give you some examples of that. One day early in his ministry, Jesus came across uh, Simon Peter. He was on the, on the shore of the lake, and he was mending his nets and cleaning them after a long night of fishing. And Jesus taught a big crowd of people who had gathered there to hear him. He, he taught them, he sent them away, and then Jesus, the carpenter, looked at Peter, the fisherman, and gave him fishing advice. 
anybody ever tried to tell you how to do your job? Who ain't never done your job? Do you know how that usually goes? So for whatever reason, Peter uh, decided to take his advice. Jesus' advice was, hey, if you want to catch some fish, just go back out and throw it on the other side of the boat. Peter's like, right, right. The fish were hiding on the other side of the boat. But I I don't have any idea why, but he followed Jesus' advice, and he caught more fish than he could even handle. the, The advice that Jesus gave him was not just solid advice, and it certainly wasn't just a lucky shot, and it wasn't even just good advice. It was miraculous advice, and even these fishermen knew that something was going on. He was a wonderful counselor. On another occasion, the, really on multiple occasions, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would show up unannounced and uninvited to try to confuse Jesus or to confound him or to make him stumble and say something that he shouldn't have said and either turn the crowds against him or maybe even make him say something that was against the law that would give them just cause to arrest him and do away with him. They didn't just try to kill Jesus uh, right before his crucifixion. They tried to kill him throughout his three and a half years of ministry. And so they would ask him all kinds of ridiculous and and, and difficult questions, but his answers were so wise that at one point near the end of his ministry, they just said, all right, we're done with this. We're we're just going to quit asking him questions. Because listen, Jesus didn't convene a meeting of, of advisors and ask for input on how to answer these tough questions. Jesus just stood there, and this is country, but y'all get this. He just stood there flat-footed and just answered the questions. And he, he answered the questions in such a way that would unravel their logic and expose their arrogance right in front of everybody. And they just said, we're tired of getting embarrassed by him. We're going to quit asking questions. What's in a name? In the name of Jesus, there was a miraculous wonderful counselor. Now, here's the next name that Isaiah said he'd be called, Mighty God. Mighty God. Now, this one makes sense. When you understand that Messiah was to be a king, then this name makes sense. Because every king has to have strength and power in order to establish his throne and his kingdom. But this king's power was not just going to be royal, it was going to be divine. His power wasn't limited to earth. It didn't come from earth. It was established forever in the heavens. And with this name, there was no doubt that the Messiah was not just going to be a godly king, but he was going to be God himself, the mighty God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was the mighty God. Now, Jesus demonstrated his divinity and his power over and over and over again during his time on this earth. It it was the the many expressions of this name that Jesus is probably best known for. He was so so what does it what does it look like to be the mighty God walking this earth? Well he constantly healed bodies and healed souls in a way that nobody else had ever done. He, he, uh, he demonstrated his command over the devil and over evil spirits. He was not intimidated by death. He raised Lazarus and many other people from the dead. He demonstrated an authority over nature 
When he calmed the seas, he calmed the winds and the, and the waves of a raging storm on the Sea of Galilee. Not to mention that he walked on that water as well. He knew things and did things and said things that mere mortals could not have known and said and done. As a matter of fact, three different disciples at three different times declared him to be divine in a time when that declaration itself would have gotten them executed for blasphemy. John chapter 1 verse 47 as they approached, this is Philip bringing, uh, bringing Bartholomew to Jesus. Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of, of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And Nathaniel or Bartholomew said, how do you know about me? And Jesus said, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. That's two different titles, both of which would have gotten him executed. And Jesus said, do you believe just because I told you I saw you under a fig tree, you're going to see far greater things than this. John 20, 26 through 28. Eight days later, they were together. Again, this is after the crucifixion. This time, Thomas was with them because he missed it last time. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. And Tom, he looked at Thomas and said, you put your finger right here and look at my hands. You put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. And then in Matthew 16, verses 15 and 16. Then Jesus asked, in the middle of his ministry at Caesarea Philippi, he looked at the disciples who were gathered there and he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. There was no doubt that Jesus Christ, even in his time on this earth, was the mighty God. Now, here's the, here's the third name, everlasting father. Now, this one sounds a little confusing. He's not saying that he is the father as in the heavenly father. This is really more like the father of the everlasting, okay? The father of eternity. It's the idea that Jesus existed before time. Now that's a really important concept in relation to the incarnation. The incarnation is when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the baby in a manger. Okay, But Jesus' time on earth may have begun when he was born as a human in the manger, but he has existed since eternity past and he will exist for eternity future. Right? He is the everlasting Father. He, he has no shelf life. He's not going to expire. All right? He's got no half-life like a radioactive chemical. His power, it cannot grow because he's omnipotent, but neither will it ever fade. He is as powerful and as he will ever be and will remain that forever. Yes, he was born as a helpless little infant, just like every other human was, but make no mistake about it, this is no ordinary baby that we talk about at Christmas. I want you to look at this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. This is the way John began his gospel about Jesus. He said, in the beginning, the Word already existed. 
The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then verse 14 explains who the Word was. So the word became flesh or became human and made his home among us. He, the word, is a person. He was full of, ever, of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And what was his name? Jesus. Look at John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58. Jesus is talking to some people who claim to be his disciples and it's not going too well. And he said, listen, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and he was glad. And these people said, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you saw Abraham, who at that point was about 25 years, 2,500 years ago. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am, I am the eternal present tense. Jesus Christ was not only the mighty God, he was the father of, the, the originator of all things eternal. He was timeless and ageless. You say, John, but why, why are we talking about these names? Why does it even matter that Jesus is the everlasting father or, or, or any of that? Because what you believe and what you know about Jesus shapes what you see when you look at Jesus. So let me ask you this. What do you see when you look at Jesus? Is he just a baby in a manger? Is he a wise teacher or a great prophet? Is he the originator of, of an important world religion? What do you call him? What do you see? When you think of him, the shepherds saw a baby in swaddling clothes. The wise men saw a child whose birth was announced by a star and who was worthy to receive gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Herod saw a threat to his political power. Anna and Simeon saw the long-awaited deliverer of Israel. Mary saw a divine gift. Joseph saw his noble responsibility. But I want you to look again. I want you to look closer and look deeper because this is the everlasting father we're talking about. The prophet Daniel saw the ancient of days. Gideon saw the one who called him to deliver Israel with only 300 men. Hagar saw the one who saved her and Ishmael from certain death. The three Hebrew boys saw the fourth man in the fire. John saw the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And one of these days, and I believe it's soon and very soon, we will see him again. Hair like snow, eyes like fire, feet like polished bronze, a robe of spotless white. And he will come with his angels and with a trumpet blast to call us home to to be with him and to be like him. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, did not come.
come into existence at that moment in Bethlehem. He is and he was and he forevermore shall be because he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and the everlasting father of eternity. Amen? Amen. One last name to look at. He is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Now, in a literal sense, Jesus the Messiah, the King, will set up his, earth, his earthly kingdom after the tribulation period, and it will be a kingdom of peace. That means all his enemies will have been defeated in the battle of Armageddon. It will have already been accomplished. But even in his days on the earth, when he, was, when he was walking the earth to become the sacrifice for our sins, he was fulfilling his role as the Prince of Peace. As a matter of fact, in, at least in a, in a, a manner of, of speaking, it was his main reason for coming to this earth to begin with. Now, I know he said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. But there's another way to look at it in, in a way that he is and was the Prince of Peace, even when he was on the earth. You know how I said that, that what you know about him changes how you see him? I want to show it to you in two different passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. Paul said, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Listen, if you just look at Jesus from a human point of view, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. He said, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That the old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task or this ministry of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. When we speak for Christ, or excuse me, we do speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, Jesus. While we were still God's enemies, he will certainly, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our new wonderful relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Some, some people say the death of Jesus was a tragic and untimely end to the life of a good man. They say that he was a victim of political rivalry and spiritual jealousy, that he was snuffed out too soon. But I'm here to tell you today, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus Christ was no victim he was not a victim of anything. It was his plan all along. It was his plan to come to make peace. How do you mean? We were enemies of God. 
We were born that way because of, because of sin. But Jesus came to right that wrong. Jesus came to settle the score, so to speak. Jesus came to establish peace with God. Jesus reconciled us with God through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Nobody else could have done it but him. He became sin so that we could become righteous. He did it intentionally. He did it strategically. Galatians says at just the right time. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. So what's in a name? What's in a name? Jesus is and forevermore shall be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. And so maybe you're thinking, well, John, this is, this is great and all, but, but Jesus hadn't been walking this earth for 2,000 years. What difference does it make now? It makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. The work that Jesus started when he was on the earth did not end when he left this earth. The work that Jesus started on this earth is still being carried out by his Holy Spirit. I want to let that settle in on you for a second. The work that Jesus began on this earth is still being carried out by the Holy Spirit. It's what he, it's what he does. Read the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, and 16, and, and it will be crystal clear to you. It, it is crystal clear that Jesus tells his disciples, I've got to go away, but I'm sending, I'm sending another one just like me, and he's going to carry out the work that I've been doing. And he's not just going to be with you like I've been, he's going to be in you. The second chapter of Acts the apostle Peter said the Holy Spirit is not just for the apostles or for the people of that day. He said it's for everyone who will ever believe on the name of Jesus. I can't tell you what incredible news that is for you. It means that the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace still operates in our lives today. And not, again, not just with us, in us. In us. If you've surrendered yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what I've found in, in Scripture and in my life is that God reveals himself through his Spirit in new and unique ways to you at just the right moment when you need him. Let me give you some examples. When you have no one else to turn to and you need somebody to give you advice, you can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He is a wonderful counselor. He can give you divine insight into the right decision for yourself. You say, oh boy, decisions, man. Me and decisions have not always gotten along. That's kind of the, why I'm in this shape in the first place, listen, stop making decisions on your own and for yourself and submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you and guide you back to the path that God wants you to be on in the first place. Maybe you've got a problem at work. Y'all, anybody ever had a problem at work? Um, 
or in a relationship or it, 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 a thousand ways. There are a thousand ways that we can have problems in our lives that we can't solve. He is a wonderful counselor. Ask him what you're supposed to do. You say, even our business problem, my business problems, he is interested in helping you do whatever it is you need to do. So yes, ask him even about your business problems because he is a wonderful counselor. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people who surrender to him. I just said that in the Pentecostal church and nobody said a word. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people who surrender to him. Gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, gifts of the discerning of spirits, gifts to help you know what's going on and know what right path to take. You're like, John, I thought the gifts of the Spirit were for the church services. No, it's for the people. It's for the people, the, the people who are living and walking by the Spirit and in the Spirit. He wants to help you be successful and to be, to be His witness and to be His light everywhere you go. How is it that heathen kings would make proclamations about the, the true and living God of Israel? Because men like Daniel and Joseph were good at what they did. Not in a church service, but in the real world that we live in. The Holy Spirit enables us to do things in a way that, will, that people will see our good works. But then what? Glorify the Father. So ask Him what you need to do. Because I don't know about you, I need all the help I can get to solve problems and make right decisions and find the right path to take. It's the job of the Holy Spirit, if you will. He is here to guide us and to be for us our wonderful counselor. Listen, maybe you're facing a situation that seems impossible. There, like there's no way on earth that things could work out in your favor. Listen, Jesus ain't from this earth. <laughs> Jesus is the mighty God, and so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And if he needs to resurrect something in your life, even if it looks like it's impossible, he can do that. If he needs to make the impossible possible, he can still do that because all things are possible with God. So don't be afraid to ask him for the impossible. Sometimes I feel the obligation to not just bring God a problem, but to bring him a solution. Y'all do that? Like I try to do that for people that I work for. I, I didn't want to just complain. I want to say, hey, well, this is what's going on, and here's how I think we can solve it. You need to quit doing that with God. He does not need your advice. If you could figure out how to make it happen, you should have done gone done it. That is all kinds of wrong English, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you could have solved it, you, could, you would have done it yourself. The fact that you're bringing it to God is indication that you got no clue what you're doing. So quit telling him your ideas and just lay the problem at his feet and let him go do it. You surrender your will and your ways especially to him and let him do what only he can do. Listen, maybe you're just spun up and anxious about stuff in your life things that you can't control. 
And every one of us does that at one point or the other. What you need is an encounter with the Prince of Peace. Right? Jesus said he has a peace that's different than what the world gives. He said he has a peace that surpasses your ability to even understand. He said he has a peace that is perfect. And he will keep you in that perfect peace if you keep your mind fixed on him and not on all the problems that are swirling around around you. One of the best fruit of the Spirit in this day and age is is peace. Ask for it. Walk in it. Depend on it. Breathe into that peace. You know, it's, it, it used to be a blonde joke that you have to be reminded to breathe. You all remember that joke? That, that you'd have to be reminded, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Y'all, I'm telling you, I ain't blonde. I ain't, guess I ain't nothing anymore. Sometimes I got to be reminded to breathe. It's like our, our, our whole lives, we hold our breath. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just has to whisper to me, breathe. Because this is not about you and it doesn't depend on you. So just breathe. And you have to breathe into the peace that passes understanding. It doesn't just mean that you can't understand where the peace comes from. It means that the peace surpasses your ability to even understand what's going on around you. You don't have to understand. You just have to walk in the peace. That makes all the difference in the world. You have to lock in your mind on the Lord and let him bring peace to you and soothe your soul. Lead you to green pastures and still waters so that he can restore your soul which is your mind and your will and your emotions but most importantly this morning i hope you see that you can't walk in the peace of god until you have peace with god and that peace with god only comes through surrendering yourself to jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, your Master. Because remember, we are born as enemies of God. Only Jesus can reconcile us and bring us peace with God. If you realize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you realize that you're still in your sins and you're still enemy of God, then, then that real, even that realization comes from the Holy Spirit working in you, drawing you to make you understand a spiritual truth and encouraging you to make a decision today that will bring you peace with God and give you access to the peace of God. The Holy Spirit is such a gift to us, as is Jesus, whose work the Holy Spirit is continuing. The Holy Spirit is this exponential explosion of the names and the power of Jesus across this earth. The work that started with one baby in a manger is now multiplied through the world through the Holy Spirit and through the people in which His Spirit rests. The ministry of Jesus is being carried out through us on this earth today. So let me ask you, 
what would you ask Jesus if he were still walking the earth today? What would you ask him? What name of Jesus might you want to experience in your time walking and talking with him? Would you want to see him as the everlasting father, the prince of peace, mighty God? What is it? Whatever that is, whatever name of Jesus you need to experience in your life, then surrender that area of your life to the Holy Spirit today and invite him into it. You need peace? Invite the Holy Spirit into your mind. Do you need wisdom? Invite the Holy Spirit into that conversation. Do you need power to overcome sin? Invite the Holy Spirit into your temptation. Do you need a miracle? Do you need the miracle working power of Jesus? Invite the Holy Spirit into your area of need. Do you need the power to change your path? The power to see your life change? Invite the Holy Spirit into your everyday life. He's a wonderful counselor. A mighty God. Everlasting Father. And the Prince of Peace. We didn't miss it by 2,000 years. And we don't have to wait for His kingdom to arrive before we experience it again. Jesus is still all of those things right here and right now through his word and through his spirit. What's in a name? Everything. Everything. Power, wisdom, strength, mercy, peace, forgiveness of sin, righteousness. Everything that we need is in the name of Jesus. I want you to experience that today. Y'all stand with me. You will hear people say during this, the next couple of weeks of the Christmas season that Jesus was a gift and that Jesus' gift uh, that, that leads to the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our souls. And he is absolutely, first and foremost, that. But he is not only that. So if you're saved and you've got a relationship, let me say it this way. If you're not saved and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he's not the Lord and the master of your life, then you need to do that today. The Holy Spirit is, 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 if your heart's racing right now and your brain is spinning out of control, that's generally what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. When spiritual truth gets shined into the light, the darkness of your soul, that's what happens because you realize something is wrong and you need something to change. But if you do have a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He still wants to be a gift. He still wants to be all of those things to all of those areas of need in your life. So don't just think because you're saved that he's done with you until he comes back to get you. No, he wants to walk with you and talk with you every moment of every day through the work of his Holy Spirit. If, if he just waiting to take us home, he'd have just, we'd have just got saved. He'd just snatch us on out of here. But he left us here for a reason. But he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless I'm going to leave you my Holy Spirit to help you walk every single day and live out my truth. So whatever's going on in your life today, 
invite the Holy Spirit into it and let the work of Jesus, the name of Jesus, play out in your life every day. Father, we just thank you for the chance to be in your word. And we, God, what a life-changing word you give us. We thank you for preserving it for us and passing it down to us so that we can live. Lord, I pray, I pray that every person right now who doesn't know you would come to know you today. That they would come to this altar and they would ask me or they would ask another person uh, how it is to surrender their lives to you. And I pray, God, that people are saved in this place today. But there are many, many more people who are already saved but are facing situations that they don't know what to do, whether it's a need in their body, a need in their finances, a need in, in a relationship, relationship, a need in their in their workplace, wherever it is and whatever it is, you are everything to us and you are the answer to every need that we have. So I pray God that we would come today, surrender ourselves to you and that we would find in your name everything that we need. And we know Lord that as you draw us through your spirit to this place that you will meet us here and you will provide our needs give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus name. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537 3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.